Okay, so this is episode five of Eating Cake, and you are listening to Ruth and Nicole, and we are coming to you through the technological wizardry of Skype and Anchor. And today's topic is mental health during the time of the pandemic and during our current political crisis. So what say you, Ruth? What do you have to say about this topic? Well, first of all, hey, everyone out there. How are you? I hope well. And then um, everyone is stressed. I guess that is a non-clinical way to put it. I think this topic is right on the money. And I think it's very relevant because after all of this, I think 100% of us will have some mental health issue. Well, that's kind of a joke and kind of not. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And thanks for bringing that up. I I feel like what you said about all of us having some kind of mental health issue is appropriate, is really a good way of framing it, because how can we not have something going on internally and emotionally during a time of political crisis, a time of economic crisis, a time of, you know, planetary crisis, environmental crisis. So if you're not having some kind of reaction, then I wonder, like, what's going on for you, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, just a funny little story to start this off. Um, I run the group Leftisms. Mm -hmm. It's a very progressive group with socialists and anarchists and independents who are left of the Democratic Party. And um, it's really difficult to run a group like that right now because everyone hates Trump so much and people want to get what they call Trump derangement syndrome. Uh, They get out of their mind crazy uh, about him and and really fearful and really terribly afraid of what what the future might bring. And of course, um, I'm no fan of Biden either. Um, I don't think he he was the architect to many and many of the things Trump is running with. Uh, and so there was I, I was the one who set the group up and there's administrators and moderators. And one of the moderators started posting lots of um, what I would call anti-Trump sort of vitriol and uh, seemed to have succumbed to Trump derangement syndrome. So I removed him as a moderator and had a little, tried to have a little chat with him that didn't go well. And um, he, he wasn't at all reasonable. And this was his closing remark. He said in a little private chat, and I won't reveal the name or anything, but he goes, it's not hysteria if it's true. I guess you've succumbed to Trump's lies, though. And I've said before, good luck to you. <laughs> So, you know, I couldn't say anything to that. What do you say to that? I haven't succumbed to Trump's lies, obviously, but I think the problem is much wider than Trump. But that's, you know, all people can, a lot of people can understand is their fear. And that seems okay to me. Yeah, I, you, I'm so glad you brought this up because, and forgive me, I'm laughing already because I, what can you 
I mean, this is just so all over the place. People's feelings are all over the place. Their reactions are all over the place. And this really dovetails with what we posted on our Facebook page about what what do people want to talk about um, <laughs> in this particular episode about mental health. And Andy Kay from Seattle, thanks for posting Andy Kay. I know Andy Kay, you know, in my real walking and waking life. Um, we've known each other for a while, but he talked about, what about talking about Trump's mental health issues? And so, you know, my perspective is, you know, this idea of Trump derangement syndrome is really less about Trump. Sure, we can talk about people have been framing him as having like a mental health crisis, having a psychotic break, you know, narcissistic personality disorder, you know, the list goes on and on. But fundamentally, he is a microcosm of what our country is going through. And I'm, I, you know, I was sitting here this morning thinking about some other stuff. I was preparing, preparing a lesson plan for my students. And I was also just thinking about, you know, this whole $750 thing, only paying $750 in taxes is no surprise to me. You know, this is part of capitalism. It's really about, you know, how can you scam the system as best as you can? And we hear people all the time talking about, oh, you know, how, like, let me figure out what kind of tax breaks I can get, or you can get X tax break or Y tax break. But fundamentally, we glorify and reward people who scam the system. Mm -hmm. And if you go back and listen to his RNC speech back in 20, what, 2015, I guess it was? 20, I can't remember. When he was first running for president, I don't remember anymore. 2015, 2016. He literally said, you know, he like he's the biggest con man, you know, what, you know, you need someone exactly like me who can scam the system. And that's exactly yeah. what he's been doing and saying the whole time. So it's really interesting to hear how people think he's crazy and this and that. But we're as a nation, I think we're just we've really gone off the rails we do suffer from like some kind of national psychosis. We've literally fractured as a whole and we operate in really predatory ways towards vulnerable people. And that is exactly what we have in a president. So that craziness is a microcosm of the collective. You know, you know me, I go back to very, um, spiritual principles, you know, as above, so below what we have in the collective, we will have on the individual level. So that's kind of my short take about Andy's question. So thanks for that, Andy. Um, I have a small take on Trump. So uh, if we have time for it. Yeah, yeah, we sure do. So Trump, um, as an individual, I find him very offensive. I grew up poor and I I 
really worked hard to try to get myself an education, and I feel like I've gotten a good one, a very varied one with a lots of liberal arts, etc. And I've turned into so that I can think sometimes. And I see this person Trump, who's basically this not very intelligent individual, <laughs> who seems like this. Not a good mob boss like in The Godfather, not someone who's thoughtful and a family sort of sensitive to humanity, but someone who's this total chaotic bully who's managed to rise to a position of power. And um, so he offends me as a person, so I think that's probably part of it. And then America is all about um, oppressing the less powerful and the poorer of our own country and the world in order to make a profit, get that mineral mind, get the uh, diamonds mind, um, you know, cheap labor. That's what America is all about. And, and it's still about, in fact, slavery is still legal for people who are locked in prison. It's still legal. We have not gotten rid of slavery. Um, we don't have to pay them anything. So, yeah, so just a little comment on that. But besides that, you know, I do try to look at the origins of all of this, and it is way beyond Trump. Yeah, it's absolutely true. I mean, I definitely agree with what you said about, you know, we do. We use enslaved or incarcerated populations to actually make a buck. And this goes back to an article I use for one of my classes when I teach about prisons, the prison industrial complex, um, it was, that was the name of the article in the Atlantic Monthly, when it was called the Atlantic Monthly, I believe. And one guy, one senator, I, I think it, I think Lamar, I think his last name might be Alexander, I just can't remember offhand. I'll correct that in the notes if I'm mistaken. But you know, he invested in the prison system and with the rationale that like, there's no harm in making a buck, you know, there's no harm in making a buck when you can, even if, if it's off the backs of people who are already suffering, already disenfranchised and already poor. So this is not, you know, Trump's behavior is not news. It's just an outsized character of what we already are, I guess, is really what I'm trying to articulate about that, if that makes sense. Yes, in fact, um, I would say um, we're, a lot of people say we're in end-stage capitalism, with where the resources are getting harder and harder to get to, and they have to use um, poor populations in a worse and worse way, and resource uh, the earth in a harsher and harsher way that's more polluting and more less respectful of actually people living in it. So, yeah. but people, it's this whole, uh, what do you call it, when you have two opposing ideas and, and you can't reconcile them and so it causes a mental crisis? Oh, that's what, you're, you're talking about like that split. That kind yeah. of like split in the in the psyche, so to speak. That's like psych that's, like a break. Yes, and 
And so people look around and they can't go outside. They might die if they go outside. They see um, America, uh, the top people are going along just fine, even though the whole rest of the developed world has health care. People are still dying because they can't get their insulin or uh, can't get treatments for anything. Um, they have to choose between like bankrupting their family or living a lot of times. And so people look out and see this, but they can't reconcile it to what they think they know that um, that capitalism is good and America's good and we're going to help it, everybody. They they see us bombing people and that, but they've been taught that we're helpful. So I think this whole crisis is just creating this horrible split. And it does seem like people's mental states, so many people are just in complete crisis. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely, you know, the country is fractured, you know, so that's happening on the collective level. You know, individually, people are becoming more, you know, a lot of people I speak with, and, you know, in my, not just in my private practice, but, you know, friends and acquaintances, it's getting really, it's just getting more and more difficult not to feel fractured. And I think that's a combination of, not just the political realm, but the quarantine and us feeling isolated from one another. And it makes us very, you know, individualized and insular and disconnected from other people. So it is not surprising that that's, we're also suffering from that, you know, that psychic split, so to speak, or that fracture and the fracturing that comes along with it. And yes, and I feel it occasionally. I've admitted to um, all of my Facebook friends and everyone in the world, I I developed PTSD 16 years ago when I almost died. And occasionally it comes up, especially now. And I just find myself becoming um, stressed and fearful. <laughs> but yeah. the circumstances, and I don't mind admitting that. Um, so yeah, I'm sure everybody... Who has ever had issues has seeing them come up. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we're witnessing, you know, we're either, I think there's like three coming from, you know, my background in clinical social work and psychotherapy. We can think about a couple different things when it comes to what's going on. You know, there are the big traumas that people have, like that are the life-threatening kinds of things where you've been, you know, personally attacked, you know, you know, in a life-threatening situation, you've been in war or something along those lines, the, you know, big T traumas. And then you have the smaller everyday traumas that, while they may not necessarily seem, um, you know, like we need to pay attention to them, like they're not necessarily noticeable right away, but the, the chronic accumulation of those small traumas, like the death by a thousand cuts just wear us down. So we're just basically experiencing these smaller traumas on an everyday basis, which might not be the big T trauma, but they do have, uh, you know, an effect on just how we're living and breathing and walking through this world. And we can, 
get things vicariously through the news. That's really hard on us. Just constantly listening to like news and political stuff that just wear us down. So that, you know, taking a break from those smaller things that we have to just endure on a daily basis is just as as important as well. Yes. Um, in fact, so true. I recently, uh, got together with some friends and one of them was talking about how they uh, were depressed. And so I suggested uh, watching less news because they watch news all the time every day. And it, I stopped watching the news on TV. I, I um, go on the internet and I get my news and I'm fully informed, but I don't know, for some reason uh, stop when I stopped watching it on TV, I immediately felt better. <laughs> totally, totally. I listen to very few talking heads. I watch very little um, news, so to speak, you know, broadcast news. I don't, I actually really work on not listening to listening to a whole bunch of news sources. I have a few select that seem to be measured. Some are more fun to listen to. And, you know, then there are the things I listen to that are just simply just to restore my soul because you need that too. It's nice to listen to poetry podcasts or, you know, your favorite music or things that, you know, go out in the garden if you have one or, you know, attend to your plants if you like plants. So things that actually remind us that we're more than simply the politi- politics of this insane country. And uh, the, those things are there, but the here and now is just as important. And we need to pay attention to that and tend, tend to ourselves in that way. You know, you are so right, and that has me thinking. What I've also done that makes me feel so much better is I started walking a few months ago, so I walk a mile a day. Plus, it may seem like a little thing, but um, I started doing a foot soak once a week and putting lotion on my feet. And then Mm. when I get out of the shower, I had run out of my favorite lotion, and I got some again like last week and it feels so good just little things like that make you feel human again (laughs) yeah totally and you know this is something this is connected to um lola s i think lola s is from atlanta and she wanted to know about um how to help friends in mental health crisis but still you know do some social distancing You know, that's a great question, too, because, again, this goes back to um, what we talked about earlier about, um, you know, feeling fractured, you know, not not feeling connected to our friends, family and other community members. And little I what I do is actually well, I actually collect really, really funny memes about all kinds of things. And then uh, I send them to my friends as a way to just connect with them throughout the day and uh, just make them laugh, especially because I know some of my friends, you know, I'm super introverted. So I've been doing, I have to say, 
real pretty well under quarantine because my life didn't change too much. Um, but for my more extroverted friends who really crave that everyday contact with people, they're feeling really disconnected. So I just want to reach out and say hi. Um, I do pick up the phone and call some friends when I feel like, you know, they might need just a voice to hear as opposed to just simply, um, you know, a meme or so. And, you know, it's, I know that sounds really trivial, but it's true. It's, they're, they're, different strategies to just remind people that you care about them and that they're actually, you're thinking about them, which is, which goes a really long way as well. Yes. Yes. Um, in the past, um, four or five months, I started using, um, do you pronounce it GIF or JIF? GIF. I, I say GIF. GIF for me, GIF is the peanut butter. <laughs> So I started but, uh, using them and it, it actually makes people feel the warmth that I feel, I think sometimes or whatever I'm feeling. And I think all those kind of things when we're socially distant in our own little hovels, um, they make a difference. They really, really do. Um, and you just reminded me, Going back to your discussion about walking, I thought about different ways that I've been classifying taking care of my own mental health that I thought might be um, useful for other people to think about also. So I try to practice some digital hygiene. You know, I try not to... I've been turning off my phone early in the evening. Um, so just that I don't just go on automatic and start scrolling through stuff by way of Facebook and stuff like that. Because honestly, for all the good that Facebook is, it's also a cesspool of just anger and bitterness. And there's plenty of reasons why, but it's like I can feel the discouragement through my screen. I, 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 <laughs> it's true. I can feel, I'm fairly sensitive that way and I can feel the discouragement. But also, so turning, turning some screens off early, I've been watching more uplifting programs, like I, certain things on Netflix that I'm not going to talk about here. You'll make fun of me. So <laughs> I just want, uh, but there's some like, there are cool, cool, bucolic, kind of like nice shows that just, you know, don't make me angry. Um, definitely getting out outdoors. I love plants. So I've been doing like planting outside. I grew some, I grew tomatoes and some kale and collards this summer, Ooh. which is so, so Pacific Northwest, but whatever, <laughs> I live here. Um I really definitely did, did quite a number of walks when during during the pandemic in like these little neighborhood parks. Um, so getting out to little neighborhood parks or trails. And I really love reading and I love doing artwork. I love sketching. So doing things away from the screen 
and also sending sending people pictures of plants that I you know took just as a way to connect with people as well um, has been one way to just keep connections going but also socially distance and you know I have I've had some friends over where we just sat outside you know on you know in my yard and just you know talked about day-to-day stuff at a distance or you know walk the dog my friend who walks her dog and she stopped by as well so little ways to keep trying to maintain connection is really important um one of the things I also and I'll just my last thought around this for now is asking people if they need you know some groceries picked up from the store um, we're going to run to the store. Do you need anything? And see, and just that's a thoughtful gesture just to let them know that you're on their mind because that's that's what community is, making sure that you're connected and also um, making sure that people are thought about, know that they're thought about and cared for, which is not, not something nice. that's... Yeah, not something that's, you know, um, promoted in this careless, you know, unfeeling world that we're in right now. So um, so since you're going to the grocery, can you pick me up some bread? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I could, I'm, I'm two kidding. hours away. But that would be if I was. If I was that's I'm, exactly what I would do. That's the no. whole point, right? Right. Yeah. No, exactly. No. Um, hey, I was thinking maybe we should uh, talk ab- briefly about um, the debate tonight. I thought I. Oh, yeah. I thought I'd say why I'm not going to watch it briefly. Um, I'm not mental going to watch hygiene? it. Hmm? Mental hygiene? Mental I'm, hygiene? <laughs> yes. I'm not going to watch it because I have high blood pressure and both of their voices cause it to raise I can tell just from listening to them so I'm actually afraid if I have to sit through the whole debate I will have a stroke seriously (laughs) (laughs) it's not good for me it's not good for me mentally but also physically I don't think my body might not be able to handle hearing those two voices (laughs) I mean they, they both sound like they're out to lunch I know. Out to lunch. I can't. You know. I'll tell you uh, the thing. We all know why Trump's voice is awful. But the thing about Biden is I think he's been coached to try to sound like Dirty Harry. And and it just doesn't come off. It's so not like him. And so, like, I really feel like they've been coached, like his expression and his tone to be like Dirty Harry because that's what people will want. But I just can't deal with it. <laughs> so are I you watching the debate? Oh, hell no. <laughs> I mean, like, no way. I mean, there are plenty of people out there who are going to watch it and tell me what a shit show it is and all this. So I'm not, oh you know, what I will do is probably read a couple of things. Yeah. Like I said, you know, I really narrow down like what I watch. I'll probably watch the Hill. They'll be, they'll basically 
you know, give me the nice highlights. I'm, you know, I already know it's going to it will aggravate me. So why am I going to what I'm going to take care of myself right. and not watch right. it tonight? Good for you. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, more power to you if you, you watch it. Let us know. You can let us know what you think about the yeah. debates on the next, for the next right. podcast. And I applaud you, Nicole. I think I would say, hopefully, you listening, take care of yourself. That's that's our message for today, right? Totally. Take care. Take care of yourselves. I mean, you know, and this is one other thing I wanted to say. I know we're getting close to the end of our time, but, you know, we like to think, oh, we've got a community of people. We've got the Internet community, you know, and we have all the planet, you know, the global community. But those communities are so abstract, you know, and really when you really find community, you know, it's sure there's the internet community, but also there are actual people in your life that matter. You know, it could be your neighbor, your friends, your family, people, your acquaintances that you've neglected, that we've all neglected because we're so conditioned to be in front of a computer or distance ourselves through technology. So I just wanted to say that sometimes it's just nice to like connect with human beings in your life too and try to remember that because that's just as important um, as, you know, you know, having information available and connecting with people online, if not more so. Yep. Very good to know. Blessed be. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I've got, we've got a couple good news items. Right, oh, Ruth? Got, yeah, so eating cake, just in closing, eating cake has reached 350 likes on Facebook. We've been downloaded far more than 100 times in the last month, which is really cool. So thank you, audience. Yay. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, this is cool. And I hope we keep doing these. It's just fun to kind of to the fat with you and just mm-hmm, share totally. our musings, share our musings with other people. Yep, totally. So um, I'll talk to you later. Yeah, and our, you're going for a walk now, aren't you? I am. Mm-hmm. All right, and I will do the same in a little while. So All right. until next week. Until next. Take care, week. everybody. Yep.